Yeah, big nasty. All fame, Tempe Buccaneer fame, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. When you hear the sound of the drum, we'll be saying, here we go. You're missing out. Happy Halloween, and welcome back to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you on this lovely October 31st for episode number 78. We're going to be talking everything Buccaneers as we preview their matchup against the Seattle Seahawks this Sunday. Oh, man. Hopefully they'll have a uh, hopefully they'll have a treat for us in the trick or treat column. There, I've yet to see that from the Bucks here over the past month or so. It seems, but we'll see what happens. If you're new around here, I am your host as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me is normally Mr. Bucks Football Evan Wanish, but he is out today. So filling in, a great friend of the show, and many people know him as Mr. Bucks Nation, it's James Hill. James, how are you today, my friend? Good, Red. Again, thank you for having me on. Greatly appreciated. Uh, happy Halloween. Yeah, right? Right? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's great that our recording schedule falls on Monday and Thursday, and then, of course, Thursday falls on a Halloween, so, uh, of course, we got to have the Halloween special, but... Glad to have you here, and uh, thank you for filling in, brother. We really appreciate it. So, as I said, the Buccaneers finally on the last leg of their unprecedented five-game, six-week jaunt away from their home stadium. The Buccaneers go to Seattle this weekend. They're going to be facing not only a 6-2 and two football team with the best quarterback in the league under center, um, they'll also be facing the 12th man, which is notoriously what makes Seattle one of the toughest places to play and fittingly, um, the final stop on this road trip. So it's definitely an interesting circumstance for the Bucks. I don't feel super great about it. I'll just, I'll, I'll tell you that right up front. I don't feel super great about the position that the Bucks are in right now, but of course there's a lot that we have to talk about, uh, regarding this football game because the circumstances are just they're much more interesting than any Bucks game we've had so far this season. It seems like the last three games, 
have been must-win games, right? Everyone's been labeling them, including myself, as must-win games for the Bucks. Well, right now you're two and five. So if any game is a definition of a must-win, it's going to be this one. Because if you lose on Sunday, I mean, a lot of people already think the season is over. And I've seen this team go from three and five to eight and five. Ever, uh, James, you saw it a few years ago. Everyone listening yeah. probably saw it. So there is still a small chance to make a run like that. But I don't know. Based off of the evidence that we've seen, I, I just I don't know. That's that's what scares me the most about this game is everything is so uncertain. You're facing a great football team at home, and the Buccaneers so far seem to beat great football teams at home. Look at L.A. But... I don't know, man. It's it's all up in the air for me. James, I, I know I've been rambling since the start of the show. How are you feeling about this matchup before we start breaking things down? Yeah, you know, man, of all the teams, right, of all the teams to end this road trip that the Bucks have been on, it's been a long one. It's been a long and stressful one, not just for the team, but for the fan base as well. You have to end with freaking Seattle and the 12th man, and that's never easy. You know, everybody in the Buccaneers organization has said so far that, like, you know, it's one of the hardest places to play, if not the hardest place to play in the NFL. And, you know, like you said, like this, you know, we, we've said must win, must win, must win. Like, this is like your last gasp at salvaging this season. Yeah. You know, for something, for something or anything, you know, and you, you said, you know, best, you know, this team is gone on a five-win streak before back a couple of years ago with Derek Cutter and his staff um, and ended up eight and five. Um, can we see a similar thing here? You know, this is do-or-die time. You know, the players are frustrated, the coaches are frustrated, the fans are frustrated, and if they lose here, uh, I, you know, it's just going to blow up. You know, <laughs> blow up out of proportions. You know, I don't think everybody's blood pressure can take this again. Right. Yeah, and, and a big thing as well is it's the end of October, Seems like we're always talking about the Bucks who were two and five, but the difference between the previous two and five Bucks and this year's two and five Bucks is that they lost three games in a row. Um, not only to mention that, but Bruce Arians, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the guy who was brought in in the offseason to try and turn things around, develop a winning culture, two-time coach of the year. He's never finished less than what nine and seven in his coaching career. His win percentage is through the roof. He has never lost three in a row as a head coach. So uh, welcome to Tampa, B.A. But the reason I said this game is so up in the air is that one of the biggest things that I look at with this Buccaneers team and where they are right now, we knew that B.A. wasn't going to turn them from what they were before to a playoff caliber, Super Bowl caliber team in one year. It just wasn't going to happen. And I think... Getting into the hype of the regular season, people kind of forgot that. I didn't expect them to start 2-5, and five, don't get me wrong, but I didn't expect them to be a playoff-caliber team. Um, but you're 2-5 and five right now, and what I'm trying to say is that the Bucs are the most pissed off they've ever been to be at 2-5. and five. Like, I feel like they're one game away from finally grasping that mentality, the BA system. I feel like guys are finally starting to buy in. Because after last Sunday's game, there was a different feel to that locker room. Which, I mean, that's just what I picked up from all of our you know fellow media for the Buccaneers. Mark Cook, Jenna Lane. A lot of people are throwing information out there that presents this tense atmosphere 
in that locker room after Tennessee. Um, I mean, they're pissed off and, and they're tired of losing. Levante David came in, had a, gun, uh, had a come to Jesus talk with a lot of his teammates. JPP, we heard the soundbite audio. Uh, he said, y'all are talking about effing white girls and we just effing lost the game. So these guys, you know, they're starting to step up and they're starting to realize like, damn, man, I don't want to be two and five at the end of October anymore. I feel like something's going to click. And I think what makes this game so uncertain for me is that this week could be the week that it clicks. And if it does... It'll be an interesting game on Sunday, but if it doesn't, and we get ran the hell over by one of the best teams in the NFC, by the way, the only reason Seattle's not running their division is because of the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we get run over, then you're going to see some people go off the deep end, and I just don't think things are going to set in and move forward as we would like them to. Because everyone's going to be so pissed off. B.A.'s mad. He won't openly say as mad as he is, as mad as much as he wants to. But he's mad. The coaching staff is mad. The players are mad. What I'm saying is that it all has to come to fruition this week. If we want to see something come of this Bucks team that we can talk positively about at the end of the year. Sure, they'll give us some positives between now and week 17. But I just... It all comes down to this week. Yeah, I I agree 100%, man. Um, I did not hear the soundbite of JPP, by the way. Really? If that is a direct quote, that is hilarious. Yeah, that was Uh, uh, verbatim. That was what he said. Y'all are talking about effing white girls, and we just lost the effing game. That's that's incredible. Um, I saw, I had saw it reported that that was out there. I didn't know that there was a soundbite to go with it, Uh, but I will say, uh, you know, exactly like you said, it's either. BA's mentality settles in now or people are, you know, players are going to start to not care. You know, that's as simple as it's going to be, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we might've seen, you know, maybe hints of that with certain players last week versus Tennessee. But, um, you know, this is really going to be do or die now as to whether or not these players are going to buy into BA and what his staff are doing, or uh, some of them are just going to shut down and, you know, the, the season's going to be in a really rough shape at that point, you know. Um, it's it's a tough situation right now. They really do need to get a win here. Uh, we, we can't say that enough. We've been saying that for weeks now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Bruce has even said, he said, you know, stuff just isn't clicking. I don't know why stuff isn't clicking, but I'm going to figure out why it's not clicking. I'm going to fix it, you know. Uh, the leaders need to step up. Jameis Winston, JPP, um, Levante, David, Mike Evans. You know, there's a lot of leaders on this team, and they need to step up, and they need to start taking charge, and they need to start getting these guys uh, in line, you know, because uh, there's not a lot of time left to fix this situation, and Bruce is all about winning now. Um, so, you know, it's like like you said, man, it's do or die. Yeah, push comes to shove, and, uh, I mean, when you're in win-now mode, it helps if you win now. So let's hope they can do that this Sunday. But let's kind of break down a little bit of what we're looking at in this game. James, I'm going to toss it to you because there's a lot of interesting matchups between the Buccaneers and the Seahawks of Seattle. Um, what are some things that you're looking at in your preview specifically for this Sunday's game? Well, first things first, you know, when I look at, you know, the Buccaneers offense versus the uh, Seattle Seahawks defenses, I look at Bobby Wagner. 
and he's the captain of that defense. And they've lost a lot of pieces, a lot. Yeah. Uh, you lost Earl Thomas. You lost Cam Chancellor. You lost Richard Sherman. You lost Brandon Browner. Um, you lost all these really good players. Justin Coleman as well, who was there, who did some pretty good things. Michael Bennett, who was there, who did some pretty good things. You know, all of those guys are gone pretty much, except for Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright as well. And those two guys, I think, are two of the best players on this Seattle Seahawks defense. They can do a lot, okay? And the Seattle Seahawks defense is pretty good. They have some very good young players. Um, cornerback, uh, is it Shaquille Griffin? Uh, uh, I know they've got the twins. They've got both of the brothers on that football team. The one who plays linebacker is Shaquille Griffin, and then I believe the other one is Shaquem. Shaquem Griffin, that's right. So, you know, you have the Shaquem Griffin at the outside cornerback spot. I think he's a very highly underrated cornerback. I think he can cause some problems for the Buccaneers offense. I think you still have Bobby Wagner. Like I said, he's one of the best linebackers, if not the best linebacker in the NFL. You have K.J. Wright, who does some really good things as well. You also have former Buccaneers safety Bradley McDougal in the backfield, who has he's done some stud. good... Yeah, he's been... Shocker, you know? Shocker. Yeah, yeah who right? Who guess that a Buccaneers <laughs> player leaves the team and is good for their next team? But Bradley McDougal's a really good safety as well. He's filled in very well for Earl Thomas since he has left. You know, uh, there's still some good pieces there on the Seattle Seahawks defense. And versus a Buccaneers offense right now, Rhett, which, you know, this is a stat that might make you cringe a little bit, but they've had 11 turnovers the past two games. You love That's, to hear it. <laughs> that's really bad. Yeah. That's really bad. And yeah. that's been one of my biggest things this year with this Buccaneers offense is please, guys, just for the love of God, stop turning the ball over. And it's insane know? because, like, I think one of the only thing that salvages that specific stat for us on the turnover ratio is that, believe it or not, the Buccaneers still lead the NFL in points scored off of turnovers. So, I mean, take that for what you will. But, yeah, 11 turnovers in two games is not going to win you anything. No, it's, it's, it's not going to win you anything. Um, that stat that you just said, um, scoring the most points off of turnovers, what does that stat mean exactly? Uh, nothing. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no, why, I, 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 do you mean that, like, the Buccaneers are scoring off of turnovers? Oh, that no, they're... I was just saying, like, looking at the turnover ratio in general, like, right. yeah, it looks bad, but the defensive turnovers we do have we're getting points off of, which, like I said, doesn't mean anything, but it's just something that salvages the thought to make it less bad than it actually is. Oh, okay, okay, I got I'm you. Just, Sorry, that, like, I'm just that, trying like, to compensate, you know? That, that like, broke my brain for a minute. No, uh, it's all good, man. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, you're, Bruce has said this for the past two or three weeks, you're not going to win games when you turn the ball over, and they've turned the ball over a whole hell of a lot the past two games especially. Um, and it's not good. Just limit your turnovers and you will win the game. You know, uh, yeah. the, the wide receivers need to start running the right routes. Uh, we got to stop fumbling the ball. And Bruce has said that he's correcting that with Jameis Winston. We got to stop having these poor miscommunications on offense. Uh, there's some stuff that needs to be fixed on the offensive side of the ball. And I know people have really pointed to, oh, we get a lot of good yards and, you know, this, that, and the other. But, you know, when you have these problems, when you have these turnovers, you know, that's, that's the biggest problem in my opinion, of the team right now. Yep. These last two weeks have been these turnovers, and you're going up against another really good Seattle Seahawks defense, and, you know, you said that 12th man. Talk about communication, you know, uh, uh, difficulties that could arise from that. Um, whenever you have a stadium as loud as the stadium in Seattle, you know, coming down, you need to have 
communication that is at its best. You know, yeah. you need to limit those turnovers because the Seattle Seahawks, they're not going to let up at all. That 12th man in Seattle, that's not going to let up at all. So really when I look at Seattle's defense versus the Buccaneers offense, you know, I see a young Seattle defense is really reloading and it still has some really solid pieces there. Uh, and I think the crutch of this team so far these past couple of weeks has been the Buccaneers offense turning the ball over and they just need to stop that. Um, yeah. Also, just real quick, another thing I want to point out is they got to get more people involved in the passing game. Uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I love them both to death. They're both going to have over a thousand yards this year, and that's going to look amazing. You know, yeah. that's, oh, that's yeah. going to look that's going to look amazing. But they have had such an inconsistent time at finding a third receiving target for Jameis Winston this year. It's been insanity and it's incredible to think about because one of the things that we boasted coming into the regular season is like man it's going to be so hard to make a decision at wide receiver three because you've got Brashad Perryman but not only that just the wide receiver talent at least so we thought that the Buccaneers carried into the regular season you know you had guys Scotty Miller Justin Watson Bobo Wilson who was on that list for a period of time um You know, there was so much they could have done, and it feels like there's still so much they can do to make up for that lack of a third wide receiver because Brashad Perryman has brought us nothing. He has brought us zero as a wide receiver three, and it's a shame. It really is because, I mean, we knew this guy had his problems, but the problems that he's shown us in Tampa Bay have been terrible. The biggest of all last week, of course, we talked about it, That last interception from Jameis Winston, it was a cover two. He was supposed to bump inside. He did not go inside. He slowed down on his route. Jameis overthrew it, and boom, it's an interception. So people are going to look at that, and of course they're going to blame Jameis. And I wanted to talk about Jameis here in a second. But Brashad Perryman, I mean, he at this point he's got to shit or get off the pot. Because if he plays this week and he does nothing for us again... I don't know why he wasn't cut before the deadline. Now, the Bucks still have until, what is it, November 4th or 5th to cut him to get right. the uh, compensatory pick. Right. But, I mean, for, for him in particular this Sunday, the pressure is on. But, yeah, like you said, you just got to have people step up in the pass game. And it's amazing that we can't do that with the talent that we have. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, Rhett, um, as I just looked it up, okay? Now, here's, here's your receiving stats for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. Number one, you have uh, Chris Godwin with 47 catches, 705 yards, and six touchdowns. That's that's amazing. Next, you have Mike Evans, 38 catches, 662 yards, and six touchdowns. Okay, Awesome. The third best receiver on the team right now is O.J. Howard with 13 catches, 176 yards, and zero touchdowns. We are in week, what, eight? nine right nine which which week are we in we're in week nine and our third best receiver only has 176 yards that's just that's just a sign james let's just move oj howard to wide receiver three right line him up wide line him up out of the slot do what you gotta do he's a big mismatch why the hell not we're not even using the guy properly anyways so uh, screw all that blocking nonsense just have him uh line up on a route every single snap yeah, you know, and, and but that just goes to show my the my point that I was saying, which, you know, I do want to say this, targeting Mike Evans and targeting Chris Godwin, that can work, <laughs> you know, that, that, yeah. is, 
that can work. Uh, but you need to have a little bit more balance there. The Bucks have not had that this year. Uh, O.J. Howard hasn't been able to do much this year. Um, Cameron Brait, you know, he's playing sparingly. Brashawn Perriman, he hasn't done anything, like you said, which was extremely disappointing for me because I was very excited whenever we signed him in the offseason. Yeah. Um, but also, I do want to point this out, is the guys behind Brashad Perriman. Uh, Scotty Miller hasn't been effective. Justin Watson's barely seen the field. I have no idea why. I like Justin Watson. He he had a great – well, he had a pretty solid preseason. Um, he looked good against Pittsburgh. I, I mean, yeah. he's a guy who's been on the roster for a few years. You kind of wonder why he hasn't gotten a little more of a chance, and maybe it is a new BA regime, a new head coach trying to evaluate talent, but he's a guy that's got to get used because the talent is there – and you look at the way that these guys play, the lack of a wide receiver three, in that situation, you really miss a guy like Adam Humphreys. And yeah. I think one of those guys could step up and not necessarily be the next Adam Humphreys, but the first whoever it is, and they can be used in a similar way uh, to just kind of come up big when you least expect it. But yeah, I mean, they got to get these guys involved. Yeah, you know, and then, you know, finally, that last guy I want to talk about, Bobo Wilson, the guy who a lot of people were expecting, you know, a lot of, you know, native Florida people who were saying, you know, that he's going to step up this year, this is his year. He's gone. He's, he's gone. You know, he he was, didn't do anything as a wide receiver. He didn't do anything as a punt or kick returner. Now he's gone. So it's like you have a huge void in your wide receiver core after Mike Evans, after Chris Godwin. You got to get more people involved, you know. Um, because again, you know, throwing to Chris Godwin, throwing to Mike Evans, it works. But if you have more balance, uh, you can create more opportunities, Absolutely. you know, because eventually defenses are just going to say, Hmm, if we just cover Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, we have a pretty good shot at winning against this fucking year's <laughs> offense. You got we, it. We just saw it against Tennessee when Jameis Winston didn't throw to Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, everything went to hell. You want to beat Tampa Bay? Start your backup quarterback and cover Mike Evans. That's all you got to do. Um, yeah. <laughs> so talking about well, while we're on the topic of this Buccaneers offense, we talked about the lack of a true wide receiver three. We kind of have to talk about the elephant in the room, and that is our quarterback, Jameis Winston. Mm -hmm. um, what what Jameis are we going to see this week, James? <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> that, that's that's what it comes uh... down to. That That's going to determine – if this Bucks offense has success, I mean, yeah, they're they're facing a stout Seahawks defense, but we know Jameis. He can sling it, dude, and when he's on his game, he looks great. There's nobody better, but the inconsistency has driven me away. I mean, I am, you know, I'm, I'm Evan calls me the eternal optimist. That's like my nickname on this freaking show. Um, right. I'm a big Jameis defender. I like the guy. I want him to do well so damn badly. Mm-hmm. These past three weeks, he has given me nothing, and I mean yeah. nothing to defend him for. Now, I will say this. Quick shout-out to Jameis One of One. I'm sure people know who that is. Jason Light. <laughs> it's Jason yeah, Light. Right. A.K.A. Jason Light. Uh, after being confirmed that it wasn't the same person, he was on Barstool Sports Radio Show today on Sirius XM. He had yeah. an interview with Big Cat and a couple of the guys, I think Stephen Che as well, uh, he kind of broke things down on how the average NFL media member looks at Jameis Winston. Um, you know, he said anyone can just look at a stat sheet. And that's kind of his narrative. Anybody can look at a stat sheet and just go off of that, right? Anyone can watch the highlights or the lowlights and just make an assumption. 
Uh, but he broke things down in a way that only he can because, you know, who else has written a 400-page book on Jameis Winston? Um, yeah. <laughs> so he broke things down in a way that only he can. And I will say that I believe in Jameis Winston more than I did yesterday. But that's not saying much because, I mean, he's losing <laughs> me, dude. And all he's got to do this Sunday is just play conservative, limit his turnovers, make his connections that he has to. You know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, whoever the hell steps up at wide receiver three if they do it all. But I don't know, man. It's such a, it's such a coin flip. What, what do you think? You know, it's funny. Uh, we have a lot of, you know versions of Jameis Winston. We have good Jameis, we have bad Jameis, we have Visor Jameis, where Visor Jameis is apparently the best version of Jameis, you know, uh, we have a lot of versions of Jameis Winston. We have mediocre Jameis, you know, uh, I swear there might be like a special edition holiday version of Jameis Winston coming out soon. We, we, uh, have, uh, we have conservative Jameis, like we saw against Carolina the first time, or was it uh, two touchdowns, one interception, I think, or no interceptions? But yeah, like 190 yards, like we have all different types. Yeah, and you know, like we, I said, we, when he's on his game, he plays so well. Yeah, you know, so I really, I think that Jameis Winston against Tennessee, you know, Bruce had said this, Bruce Arians had said in his press conference, he said those interceptions weren't Jameis Winston's fault, and he was adamant about it. Yeah. It, it wasn't like he said it casually, he was pissed about it. You know, he said that, Godwin ran a Godwin ran a wrong route and Perriman ran a wrong route. And they even asked him later in the press conference. They said, "Well, you know, is, what was the miscommunication with Jameis and the receiver on this play?" And he goes, "No, not Jameis. It was the wide receiver's miscommunication." You know, and that struck me as really interesting because um, I was like, "Wow, he like really defended Jameis Winston here." Oh yeah. You know, like like adamantly, angrily defending Jameis Winston. So. I think last game, Jameis Winston played well enough to win. Uh, just miss, you know, the the miscommunication with his receivers really hurt him. Um, and I think that, you know, coming into Seattle, he's upset. This is the most upset I've seen Jameis in a while. You know, uh, we saw it in the game. Uh, I think you would. I think did. I think you had tweeted out something uh, during the game. Um, was it when, when he was like screaming at the referees? Yeah, and you said, yeah, man. you said, you know, like, number three's got to calm down. And, like, he was fired up, man. And even after the game, when they, when they were taking questions, he looked upset. He walked off of the press conference in the middle of, basically in the middle of a question almost. Right. You know, so he's definitely, fired up. Definitely not Baker Mayfield proportion of walking out of a press conference, but we have definitely seen a more serious side to Jameis Winston. And that just goes back to what we said earlier. These guys are tired of losing, and it's finally getting to them, and they're finally at the point where they're like, damn, man, we had one game that we had in the bag that our rookie kicker lost for us, but aside from that, there's been so many chances, and granted, the one in Tennessee was taken away by some bad officiating, but there have been so many chances to just right the wrongs, to just, to get there, to take that step. And they're tired of not being there yet because this is a team that wants to win with a coaching staff that wants to win. It's just all going to come together. Yeah, so I think that, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to see a really fired up Jameis. You know, he's going to do everything he can to win. Not that he doesn't do that every week, but like especially this week. So I think Jameis Winston really can rebound in a big way. Um, He needs to get more, more of his guys involved. And, you know, some of that's not his fault. Some of that can come down to play calling and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, we 
I think we're definitely going to see a fired-up Jameis, and I think we're really going to see him go out there and give his absolute best in everything he does in terms of his decision-making and stuff like that. You know, like, he's going to be doing everything he can to win. Yeah. Um, that's that's what I think, you know. So it, it should be interesting to see. Regardless, though, he is going to have some big obstacles with that Seattle defense, with the, the, the crowd noise and whatnot. Um, but I think at the end of the day, he's really – he's going to, you know, be on his A game. Yeah. We'll have to see how it plays out because Jameis Winston, an interesting character, but when he is on his game and he is locked in, we know he's capable of putting up a stat line that not only fans but coaches and GMs alike all love to see. So we'll see what happens. A big day for Jameis this coming Sunday. We talked about the Bucks' offense. We mentioned the Seahawks' defense. Now let's flip the script a little bit. Let's talk about the Seahawks' defense. And I want to talk about some of the things that I look at. Um, Seahawks' offense, excuse me. I think I said defense. Yeah. But you know what I mean. <laughs> oh yeah, you're good. Uh, so I just want to talk about some of the things that I'm looking at with this team because the Seahawks, while they do have a pretty good defense, uh, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, I mean, these guys are a, a well-oiled machine on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and when you kind of look at uh, their play calling in general, they're 50-50 with their run-pass ratio. I mean, they are not scared to give it to their running back. And if you don't know who that is, Chris Carson who is yeah. fifth in the NFL with 659 rushing yards, by the way. Uh, he's become a lot more involved in their ground game and the passing game this season in particular. They've been dumping it out to him a little extra. But I look at Chris Carson, and, I mean, he is a hard-charging runner. He's definitely not as talented as the running backs that the Buccaneers have faced up until this point. Um, but he's a guy that you cannot turn your nose at because he is, uh, like I said, just a a determined running back, and we know those guys. We know the James Connors. We know the you know the Peyton Barbers. If you really want to go that far, if you're not ready for them, they can strike when you least expect it. And uh, I think they'll have to be ready for that. But I'm confident in the run defense. I, I am confident in the run defense. Now, offensively, again for the Seattle Seahawks, Pete Carroll, still a solid offensive-minded coach. I mean, th these guys are no joke. They're six and two for a reason. Let's talk about Russell Wilson. Can you believe that he has a 17 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio? Oh my god. He has only thrown <laughs> one interception all season in 17 touchdowns. They have zero problem stretching the field. And Russell Wilson being as talented as he is and the receivers that he has to throw to. It's not only going to be a huge test for our secondary but it's going to be a ginormous test for our pass rush, who, I mean, they looked great last week with the addition of JPP back into the lineup. So I'm confident they can make some noise, but they're really going to have to get there because Russell Wilson, he can get away from just about anybody. And uh, it, with the pace that he's on, I worry about that young secondary because they looked a little more settled in last week, but they were also facing Ryan Tannehill in a run-heavy Titans offense. So... That's just an interesting matchup that I'm looking at. But, you know, offensively for Seattle, what are you seeing, man? Well, first thing I want to point out is Seattle's tight end, Will Disley. Uh, he's out for the year. He, I believe he tore his Achilles, something along those lines. He was a really uh, important receiving weapon in that Seattle's offense this year, and he is now out for the year. Also, That's to add to that, I'm sorry, just an asterisk, uh, Justin Britt, probably the best offensive lineman for Seattle. He is also out for the year. He had surgery. 
Right. So, you know, they have some key injuries there on that Seattle Seahawks offense. Uh, but I do like what you just said. Russell Wilson, arguably the best quarterback in the league right now. Um, he's by far the best quarterback that the Buccaneers have faced so far this year. They played uh, week one. It was Jimmy Garoppolo. Week two, it was a really banged up Cam Newton. Week three, um, who did they end up playing week three, Rhett? Jared Goff. No, Jared no, no, Goff. No no, 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 no. That was week four. Mm-hmm. Um, week three. Why am I? It, uh, Daniel Jones. Jesus. Daniel, okay, so week three, Daniel Jones. Week four, Jared Goff. Week five, they played Teddy Bridgewater. Correct? Yes. Yes. Week six, they played Kyle Allen. Week seven, they had a bye week. And then week eight, they just played Ryan Tannehill. Out of all those names I just listed, <laughs> Russell Wilson. I think there's a big difference here in quarterback talent. Right, though. right. Um, so, Russell Wilson, he's far and above the best quarterback the Buccaneers have faced this year. You know, if Drew Brees would have played in that Saints game, then yes, you would have said that the, you know those two are very close to each other. But Russell Wilson, he's phenomenal. You know, in my opinion, best dual threat quarterback in the NFL. I know people say Lamar Jackson, but Russell Wilson is like a hyper accurate Lamar no, Jackson. And, and the crazy thing about Russell Wilson as well is like, yeah, this year he's finally getting the respect that he's deserved. But while you have your Patrick Mahomes, your Deshaun Watsons, your guys like that, Lamar Jacksons, Russell Wilson's been getting it done every year. I mean, yeah. he has not strayed from what has made him an elite quarterback. And uh, this year, it's just being shown off the most because he he like i said is the best qb in the nfl right now by uh, a pretty big margin yeah so you know i'm obviously very worried about russell wilson not just for what he can do with his ability as a passer but as a runner as well sneakily good mobile quote not even sneakily good mobile quarterback you know Um, and Bruce had, you know, iterated whenever they played Carolina back in week two, they said, you know, we're going to have to be worried about Cam Newton's mobility. You can say the same thing for Russell Wilson in spades. So not only am I worried about Russell Wilson, I'm also worried about the Seattle Seahawks receivers. You have Tyler Lockett, who has been really underrated this year, in my opinion. He's done some really good stuff. And then you have the rookie DK Metcalf, who everybody fell in love with because he basically looked like a superhero. Uh, in the combine, he, in terms of his, of his physique, he looked like uh, one of the monsters from Space Jam, right? Like, yeah, something happened, and he just ended up with these freaking superpowers. And yeah, at the wide receiver position, he is he is ridiculous. Like, like for a rookie too. I mean, yeah. he, he has just got the build of a freaking linebacker out here catching passes. Yeah, you know, so if he all he needed to do was learn how to run routes. And what better guys to help you than Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson? So you yeah. got to look out for both those receiving targets. Uh, Russell Wilson is phenomenal. Uh, Chris Carson, like you said, I'm super confident in the run defense, like insanely confident. We have the best run defense in the NFL right now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do. Uh, you know, we've gone up. You know, we've gone up against such good running backs this year. Christian McCaffrey twice, Alvin Kamara, Todd Gurley, Derrick Henry. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm missing a running back or two in there. But the point is that the Buccaneers have gone up against so many good running backs this year. Chris Carson is just another one in line. Yeah. And um, it's going to be another test, but the the uh, the Rucks, the Bucks run defense <laughs> has held up every single time except for maybe that one game against Kamara. But even then, they still held him pretty well in check. So. Yeah, I mean, in that game in particular, Kamara really shined through the passing game. That was when they got him the most involved, and that's when he just snuck up to bite us. But... Yeah, right. on the ground, I remember making a point on the show that he didn't have a blockbuster day. And even Christian McCaffrey the second time around, right? 
He got yeah. us in the passing game a little bit, but on the ground, they held him aside from two touchdowns, but those were from 10 yards out. And, uh, yeah, we yeah. don't talk about the one where Devin White got stiff-armed to hell. We don't mention that. Oh, yeah, I know. So the the point I'm trying to make here is that this Seattle offense, you know, they, they have some good pieces there, Russell Wilson being the best one out of the bunch. He's the best player on the Seattle Seahawks team. Um, so I feel like, you know, you got to contain Russell Wilson's mobility. We have some fast linebackers. You have De- Levante David. You have Devin White. They have got to be on point in this game. You know, they have to take charge. Um, uh, the young secondary, like you said, they've been struggling all year, but I think that they really started to get some momentum, something going in their favor against Tennessee. Now, like you said, way different offenses, but, you know, at least it was something, you know? Um, so they, they also need to be on their, their A game here. Just the whole team needs to be on its A game, but, you know, really the, the secondary, they, they need to start putting some stuff together 100%. I think a guy in that secondary who can step up and who has the most pressure to step up this week, uh, it's not VH3 like it normally is. It is Carlton Davis because Mm -hmm. we said on the show he had an interesting game last week, and he did because some could say he played great. Some could say he played terrible. uh, Both are true. (laughs) Uh, He played really, really well in coverage last week, which is a big step up for him. Now, we did see him kind of shoot himself in the foot, the two pass interferences in a row that negated two interceptions in a row. The first one was a pass interference. The second one, the tight end flopped. It is what it is. But he's going to have to clean himself up, and he's going to have to step up and play well because uh, if he can build off of what he showed us last week, then I'm confident he can you know, kind of take a bit of a step. And, yeah, we are talking about Russell Wilson and potentially Tyler Lockett, who I think maybe he would be matched up with. Um, So it is a much different matchup. But from what he showed us, I I think he can step up and – I'd like to see if he can do that, but he's a guy I'm going to be paying attention to in that secondary. I, I, me personally, um, well, first thing I do want to note is the the two pass interference calls. Um, Bruce Arians said the first one he did not agree with, and the second one he challenged because the tight end flopped, yeah, and he lost the challenge. So it's it, it definitely sounded like Bruce didn't agree with either one of those being PIs, but that's just how the league is now. It's really unfortunate because Carlton Davis plays exactly like how. Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles want them to play. He's physical, yeah. you know? Um, but right now, as it stands, um, he I think he leads the Buccaneers in penalties with nine on the year. Um, he gave up. Uh, well, I mean, he had, like, what, seven last week, I think. Something like that, man. Like, he gave up 104 yards and penalty yards. And, I mean, that's just, that's not going to do anyone any favors. So, yeah, he- uh, again, an interesting day for him last week. Yeah, so so me personally, I'm a huge, huge, huge Carlton Davis fan. I think he could be a future number one cornerback for this team. I expect him personally to line up a lot with DK Metcalf uh, okay. because of how tall DK Metcalf is, six foot four, built like a Greek god. Uh, you know, he's physical as hell, and Carlton Davis is physical as hell. Yeah. So really, what uh, what Bruce has alluded to in the past, especially like when going up against the Saints and Michael Thomas, is we put Carlton Davis on the, their most physical wide receiver um, because Carlton Davis is our most physical cornerback. And I, I think that we could see a scenario where um, where we have Carlton Davis going up against DK Metcalf and then either Vernon Hargraves or maybe even Sean Murphy Bunting lining up against 
Tyler Lockett. I almost uh, want to think they would trust Sean Murphy bunting more in that situation than VH3 because VH3 lined up against Tyler Lockett. If they want to stretch the field and have him just, you know, shoot down for a, a go route, I feel like VH3 just gets burnt and decimated every single time. Yeah, or maybe even you bring in Jamel Dean, you know, because the, the big thing for Sean Murphy bunting and Jamel Dean was these guys are fast. Tyler Lockett's really, really fast. So yeah. I think whatever you're talking about, cornerbacks lining up against wide receivers, you put your most physical cornerback on their most physical wide receiver. That's Carlson Davis. That's DK Metcalf. And then whoever's your fastest cornerback, be it Sean Murphy Bunting or Jamel Dean, they're both very similar in speed. You put them on Tyler Lockett because Seattle really likes stretching the field. Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson loves throwing that deep ball to Tyler Lockett. You've got to account for that. So yeah. you got to pay attention to both those things. Um, you know, if, if Har, I could see Hargrave struggling if he is matched up against either Lockett due to Lockett's speed or, you know, DK Metcalf because DK Metcalf's five foot four. And I don't remember how tall Vernon Hargraves is. I think he's five ten, Um, and that, that could be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you Big know. mismatch there, but a lot of interesting matchups in the secondary for the weekend. Uh, so make sure you guys are paying attention to that on Sunday as well. Now, Let's talk about the injury report for both of these teams because there are some key players with some asterisks next to them. First off, for the Bucks, you got DeMar Dotson back at practice. I believe Alex Kappa returned this week as well, correct? Am I hearing hearing right that Alex Kappa's back at practice? Is he? That's incredible if he is. Um, I, I me... want to say I heard something this morning that he is back, and, and not in a full capacity. Um, right. Not enough to where I think he's going to play this Sunday, but I think he's back in the building, and... Uh, I don't know, in a limited capacity, but, I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Let me see. Alex Kappa continues to practice in a limited capacity as he tried to return from a broken arm. Gotcha. That's the tweet. Gotcha. Um, that's incredible, considering, you know, he broke his freaking arm. And then finish uh, the game. Why not just send him out there with a half-broken arm, and he'll, he'll make up for that right side of the line all by himself. Right, James? Oh, my God. I, uh... <laughs> Never broken my arm before, Red, but I imagine that must hurt. And for him to say after the game, "Oh, it's just a bruise." Yeah. No, it's no, it's yeah, not. You right. broke your arm, man. You're you're a madman. <laughs> uh, so if he plays, that'll be a huge help. I'll be honest. I've been okay with with Earl Watford for the most part. He's just sloppy, uh, man. He gets a lot of penalties. Yeah, I've, I've been more worried about Josh Wells, which our right tackle position has been. You know, Demar Dodson came back last week, and. uh uh, you <laughs> <Yay>. know, <laughs> you know, and it's just like our right tackle position is is confusing right now, and it's it seems like nobody works over there. So uh, if Kappa comes back, that'll be huge, huge, just to just to help out the right side of the line. You know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. Uh, so yeah, that that would be awesome. Another guy on the Buccaneers injury report that we're taking a look at is O.J. Howard. He did not practice as of today, still dealing with that hamstring injury, and uh, it's not a good sign because we already talked earlier about O.J. Howard being a guy that the Bucs don't use enough. Well, now you don't even have the opportunity because he's dealing with a hamstring injury, and hamstring injuries freak me out, James, because they're so tricky. Yeah. Um, did you hear that rumor uh, a couple of days before the trade deadline when O.J. Howard popped up on the injury report and he yes. hurt his hammy. And everyone's like, everyone's like, there it is. He's gone. He's, he's out. They're trading him. And I, and I think it was Rick Stroud who said, if you wanted to trade a player, why would you say that they are hurt? 
It's one thing if the player himself says he's hurt, Jalen Ramsey. Ah, oh, my back hurts. Ah, yeah, oh no. Yeah. But it's another thing for a team to to for the team to say, and the player doesn't say anything. But for the team to say, nope, he's out. He hurt his hamstring. Uh, you know that's that's different. So I think that you know the hamstring's a legitimate problem. They can last a long time. Hamstring injuries can. They're ultimately, you know, if you get a hamstring injury. Your day to day, your week to week, you know, yeah. um, and it it's so frustrating dealing with hamstring injuries, especially as a skill position player. Um, you would imagine it would be even more difficult. So uh, we'll see. You know, it's something that could be fixed this week. It's something that could be fixed next week, or it's something that could bother OJ Howard for the rest of the year. Um, I've seen players get put on the IR because of hamstring injuries before. Right. So. It's it's frustrating and it's worrying, especially with OJ Howard because, like you'd brought up, you've seen players put on IR before, and we know OJ Howard; he's no stranger to the injured reserve. So it's unfortunate. Let's hope he can bounce back. Do I think he plays Sunday? I do not, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's something we'll see remedied by this time next week, and we'll have something different to talk about as we go over the Buccaneers game against Arizona in Tampa. So exciting to think about. But uh, first, got to see good. if they can win on the road this week. Now, uh, taking a look at Seattle's injury report, there are a few big names that pop up there. Uh, Justin Britt, as I had brought up earlier, he's out for the year. He is arguably the best offensive lineman on that line for Seattle. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, they got some studs behind him. But that's a big blow for them, and it, it's, in essence, a good sign for our pass rush. But... Let's break down this injury report a little bit more. Uh, Their injury report, some bigger names on there, is still questionable. And keep in mind, I'm getting this injury report from Seattle and not Tampa, so it's a day behind. So we're looking at Wednesday. Of course, these are all subject to change, but just some names that you should pay attention to. Safety Quandre Diggs, who I believe did not practice. Defensive end Ziggy Anza, who I also believe did not practice. And a guy that we have talked about plenty on the show so far, Wide receiver Tyler Lockett, who as of Wednesday was limited in practice. I still believe he pulls it together and he plays, but just something interesting to keep an eye on because as good as the Seattle team is, they've got a lot of pieces that are still question marks right now, and uh, some of those can favor the Bucks, especially having a guy like Ziggy Anza uh, not practice. I mean, that's a relief for any side of the line that he's lined up against. Yeah, especially um, on that defensive side of the ball, you have Quandre Diggs, who they just traded for from the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, that's a big blow to them, considering, you know, they really wanted the safety help. And then Zico Ansa, you know, he's a phenomenal pass rusher. I remember a couple of years ago, the Bucks wanted to bring him in to be like the all-star pass rusher for the yep. team. Um, so those are a couple of big pieces out there right now. Tyler Lockett, like you said, I think he plays. Um, even in a limited capacity, I would not take... Tyler Lockett lightly, you know, we all know that, of course. Um, but, yeah, a couple of pieces missing on that defense. If Ezekiel Ansa can't go, that'll help. Hey, that'll that'll help. They still know? got Jadavian Clowney, though, and uh, oh he's my no joke. Oh, my God, I forgot they had Jadavian Clowney. Yeah? Yeah? Oh, no, Rhett, <laughs> why would you say that? I didn't mean to scare you, buddy. I just wanted to kind of, uh, if he I don't lines know, reassure up you. Dem- Rhett, if he lines up against DeMar Dodson. Well, you know, they've been watching a lot of film, so part of me believes that he's going to find himself on that right side of the offensive line more than a few times. It'll be fine. It'll be <laughs> yeah. fine. 
Like It'll I be... said, throw Alex Kappa in there with a half-broken arm, and he'll take care of business. He'll he'll take care of business. You know, it'll be fine, okay? Worst comes to worst, DeMar Dodson gets penalties, and we're all used to that anyway. So. Yeah, really. Yeah, really. He'll just hold the hell out of them all game. and uh... I'll, I'll take it, you know. Hey, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so... Before we get out of here, we do a little thing on our game previews called the Weekly Checklist. And this week, I've got three big things that the Buccaneers have to do in order to win. We didn't do it last week because there wasn't a game preview episode for the Tennessee Titans game. So I wasn't able to get mine out. But we're going to do it this week. And uh, I'll see if you guys agree with me or not. James, are you ready? Yes, sir. Here we go. So on the checklist, first and foremost... Buccaneers have to pressure the quarterback. I it, it almost seems like an obvious given every single week, but it's more important than ever because as we brought up Russell Wilson being the dual threat guy that he is, not only can he sit back in the pocket, drop deep whenever the hell he wants to, he can run out, he can get away from everyone, and he can burn you using his feet. So you don't want to see that happen. You want to keep him under wraps. If you can pressure him and hit him, I mean, that's the best way to slow a guy like that down. So... Pass rush really has to show up, and uh, I think they'll have an interesting day. I think they will show up, and I think they'll maybe not improve off of what we saw last week, but I definitely think we'll see some guys get pressure when needed. Uh, having JPP back is a huge help because you have him on the edge and Shaq Barrett. Who are you going to block? Uh, yeah, Shaq Barrett and JPP. By the way, Shaq Barrett, 10 sacks. Um, yeah, he got that big bonus. He did, and uh, you know, it, it's going to be awesome. Um, they looked exactly how everybody thought they were going to look last week against Tennessee. Um, now against Seattle, you know, they need to be on point. JPP, phenomenal leader, just a phenomenal guy. Same with Shaq Barrett. Um, I love both those guys, you yeah. know, and they're both going to, I think they're both going to put in the work. You know, they're going to lead the charge in terms of this pass rush. Uh, Vita Vea in the middle too has been good. I want to see more from Indomitian Sue as a pass yeah. rusher. I'll be honest. Um, and I do want to see more from our inside linebackers because a lot of people said uh, what before when the season started that, you know, Todd Bowles, he likes blitzing his middle linebackers. I want to see them get more in terms of, like, getting home to the quarterback. Devin White, right. Levante David, I want to see more sacks from them as well. Um, and I, I do, yeah. That's a big thing as well. We kind of talk about the way that Todd Bowles blitzes the quarterback. We see, you know, when he does blitz, it, we see a lot of safety blitzes. Like, we'll see, and maybe he's gotten away from it these past few weeks, but, excuse me, a common theme was the late safety blitz, where you kind of have the safety come down, hang around until the snap, a few seconds, then he'll rush the quarterback, and that's just not getting the job done. So utilizing those guys a little bit more, especially to the capacity that we know they can be used, Levante David, he'll get you a sack when, you know, he'll get you a sack nine times out of ten if he's put in the right position. So... It'd be nice to see those guys used, but yeah, I agree with you, Mayor Man. Yeah, it. I, I, you know me, Rhett. I literally cannot express how much love I have for Shaq Barrett and JPP. Uh, they're they're awesome. They're just awesome. Hell yeah. So, so JPP especially, my God, you know he broke his neck, and did it, you know he blew up his hand? Uh, it I feel is like incredible. You know, I feel like people don't talk about that enough, man. <laughs> I'm jumped. You like, know, I, I mean, first snap back from. A potential career-ending injury, and he goes in there and gets a sack. So we talked a lot about when he was going to be coming back, uh, if he's going to be in football shape or not. And as of right now, I mean, he's in football shape, ready to go. For for him to build upon that, I think it's only going to do the pass rush some favors. But next here on the checklist, it's in all capitals. 
you have to commit to the run. I mean, you have to commit to the run. And when I say commit to the run, I don't just mean 20 runs a game. I mean 20-plus carries for one person in particular, and that person is Ronald Jones the second, because yeah. Peyton Barber isn't getting it done. But you got to right. commit to the run, because if Jameis cannot make it work with the offense, and like we had brought up the sparingly limited um, wide receiver three position, you're going to need to pound the rock. And uh, that's going to wear down those big pass rushers up front. That's going to wear down the linebackers, especially Bobby Wagner, who's probably going to be all over it. But I want to see Rojo get some carries, man, and I want to see these guys commit to the run. I want 20-plus carries for Ronald Jones. Probably won't happen because Peyton Barber will start the game and he'll run for every first down in the first half. But uh, I would like to see it happen, and I just want to see those guys get involved. But commit to the run. I want to say right now, uh, Ronald Jones is actually 32nd in the NFL in rushing attempts. It's so sad. Um, yeah, and Peyton Barber's 30th. So, uh, <laughs> true split, I guess. Part Peyton Barber, <laughs> Peyton Barber only has five. He has five more attempts than Ronald. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I don't know why they don't give Ronald Jones the ball. Granted, hey, way better than what we saw with Dirk Cutter and staff. At least Ronald Jones is playing. Right. Um, at least he's showing up. At least he's showing us enough to say, hey, he should get the ball more. Right, but that's the thing. We're seeing enough to see him get the ball more, and he's just not getting the ball more. I don't understand why. Um, uh, after all the hype we heard from Ronald Jones, and oh, I'm, Bruce Arians has said, I'm excited to see if I can use him in similar ways to how I use David Johnson. You know, the hype was there. We saw it in training camp, we saw it in preseason, and then so far in this regular season, it's just been like, we're going to split it. And it's like, right. it's, it's literally, that's a 50-50 split. And you've even seen Dario Ngobawale getting some snaps. And it's like, dude, just let Ronald Jones be the three down back. Like, why? Why do you have to do that? Anyway, rant over. Get Ronald Jones the ball more. <laughs> Got to commit to the run. Agreed with that. Um, Agreed with that 100%. Awesome. So the last thing we have on our checklist here, it's a big one. And it's something that we've seen from the Bucks quite a bit this season. Um, well, we haven't seen it from the Bucks. That's kind of the issue here. But third thing on my checklist is you have to stay accountable. You have to stay level-headed. Don't beat yourself. Now, all three of those are different things, obviously, but they all kind of fall under the same umbrella, and that's discipline. Stay accountable. Stay level-headed. Don't beat yourself. I, You know what? It, we are four days away from the game on Sunday. I'm calling it now. We're going to see one BS call against Tampa. It's just going to happen. Like, you have to expect it. It's been every single week now that we've seen some sort of call that cost the Buccaneers a situation that ultimately works out in their favor. I'm, I'm saying it now. But if it happens, you cannot let that defeat you for the rest of the game. Now, if it's a stupid-ass penalty and you deserve it, then, yeah, that's one thing. But... You have to account for things like that. You have to stay level-headed. You have to stay accountable. Your leaders have to step up and be leaders. And then just don't beat yourself. Do not yeah. beat yourself on stupid, preventable penalties because it loses the Bucks football games. It's lost them games for the better half of 15 years. And, I mean, people are tired of seeing it. Don't beat yourself. Yeah, you know, and uh, the, the lack of – Bruce has said – you know, and, and I, I know I've been pointing to Bruce a lot, but he gives valuable information. Um, I mean, you know, he's head coach for a reason. Yeah, you know, so, uh, uh, but he, he said that, you know, some of these guys just need to get their heads out of their butts. And, uh, you know, they, they need to communicate better. 
you know, and the leaders need to step up and we got to be more accountable. We got to prepare better. Um, and that is, that is 100% accurate. I, I think the biggest thing with the Bucks, like I've said, has been miscommunications that lead to turnovers, to lead to poor plays, to lead to just dumb penalties, all this stuff, you know, um, that's been the biggest thing that's been hampering this team, like what you said, for almost two decades now. Uh, and it needs to get corrected here at some point. Bruce has even said, you know, something's not clicking here, and I'm going to make it click, darn it, basically, to paraphrase there. Yeah. And uh, we need to start seeing it. We need to. I think that Bruce Arians, I think that Bruce Arians staff, I think they're the guys to do it. Uh, we just haven't seen it yet, and and we we need to start seeing that show up. We need to start to see the leaders start showing up and start, you know, really really saying, guys, come on. You know, we saw it last week after the game, and I think that we're going to see some improvement this week. Um, yeah. I you know one hundred percent. So yeah, communication it, it fixes so much. You know, it fixes so much, and I think the coach to player communication is there, but the player to player communication hasn't been there. You know, um, that's that's huge, you know, so I think that now that we have a coach to player communication set for the most part, we need a player to player communication to be set as well. Yeah. And I I agree with everything that you said. It's all about these guys being accountable, not only for themselves, but the players around them. And that's just an example of where leaders need to step up and be leaders. And hopefully we see a little bit more of that from this pissed off, frustrated two and five Buccaneers football team this Sunday as they play Seattle in the toughest stadium in the NFL. It'll be an interesting game, but we'll both be here watching it with everyone who listens to the show, of course. James, I want to thank you so much for filling in for Evan today. Thanks for coming on, my man. Hey, thank you for having me, Red. It was greatly appreciated. Uh, happy happy Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween to you and yours. And uh, before we break down and get out of here, uh, James, where can the people find you, follow you, t- take in all of your great content? Uh, just whore out all of your social media and in, in your uh, your projects and whatnot. So I am currently on YouTube at Mr. Bucks Nation. I am on Twitter and Instagram as Mr. Bucks Nation. And uh, on all those platforms, I talk about the Bucks. Um, you know, everything, you know, just like here on the Cannon Fire podcast, uh, you know, talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I do a weekly live stream where I watch the game and react to it. Uh, you know, the live streams have been rough this year, but, you know, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, we have another one coming up this Sunday. It'll be a lot of fun. I will be having my own uh, sets of preview videos and matchups to watch coming here uh, in the coming days. So stay tuned for that. And um, again, Red, seriously, thank you for having me on, man. It's always fun to come on here, talk about some Bucks football absolutely dude we love having you so go check out james he's a great friend of the show and a lot of great content regarding your tampa bay buccaneers but ladies and gentlemen that's just about going to do it for this episode of the cannon fire podcast thank you so much for listening or watching with video whether it was on youtube or bucksreport.com you can follow the show on social media we are on instagram facebook and twitter all of those are cannon fire podcast so just search it up and you'll find us. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. And of course, like James had mentioned, you can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Bucks Nation. Before we go, I have to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, Pinecrest Printing and Signs. Do you need an image for your business? Well, Pinecrest Printing has got you covered in more ways than one. They've been providing the Tampa Bay business community with quality commercial printing and design since 2001. Their printing professionals are ready to provide you 
with quality marketing solutions for today's industry. They're also the newest sponsor of the Cannon Fire Podcast. You can give them a call at 813-684-5444 or check out the website at pinecrestprinting.com. I am Rhett, signing off for James, and we will talk to you guys next time. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.